my name's Matt, I'm part of the team here. Thank you for coming today. And uh, I should say, before we get started, is I saw Steph downstairs, Steph, as in Steph and Chris, who were just on that video. And basically, she's actually um, part of Vineyard Kids team today, so she's over at the Mac. But her and Chris will be downstairs later. So if you want to see them and chat to them about that video or anything to do with the kind of foster or adoption kind of agenda, then they'll be downstairs in the cafe bar, so do, do grab them. Um, anyway, so this morning, it's great to be here. Just to say, I'm a little bit nervous because, well, I'm a little bit nervous to see all you guys, but no, I, Alice and I have had a week off, which was amazing. And uh, on London, uh, we went to London on Thursday, which was lovely. We got a rare night off, and we saw, has anyone seen the play that goes wrong? Like a theatre show. And without giving it all away, basically the show is just a disaster, and the whole show, everything just falls down on the stage. So I'm a little bit worried about everything just falling down on me as we go on today. But hopefully, from a health and safety point of view, it will be okay. But um, we are concluding this morning uh, our Gracefield Community series. We've, it's been an amazing series, hasn't it, over the last few weeks. We've looked at just it's such a kind of a tapestry of things, isn't it, Grace? We've looked at forgiveness. We've looked at um, being clothed in compassion. We've looked at hospitality. Uh, we've looked at, like Mark talked about last week, showing grace to people, the last, the least, and the lost. It's, grace is just an amazing subject to look at. And it's this grace-filled community idea, if you've not heard that before, it's basically one of our hallmarks as a church. It's who we are. It's who we feel God's called us to be as a church. But it's also uh, an aspirational value. It's something we want to become more of. We want us to be more filled with grace as, as a community and as a church. So it's been great to look at it. And this morning, um, the final thing I want to look at in this series is this idea of, as a grace-filled community, another characteristic of it is that we will be a people that are changed, changed by grace. It's impossible to be filled with grace as a community without being changed by it. So let's just start with a bit of fun. Mark and Keith, did you put that photo up, please? Hopefully there'll be a photo. <laughs> it's a little bit fuzzy. So, I was expecting a response. I wasn't expecting that big a response. Yeah, I don't know what's funny, James. Yeah. So the obvious question in this video is, well, first off, sorry, if you're actually not sure, that's me on the right. That's my beautiful wife, Alice, on the left, on our wedding day, and that's our, our vicar. <laughs> the official at our, our wedding. So that's uh, nearly 11 years ago, not in this church, a church up in Nottingham. Um, James officiated at our wedding. And anyway, I was, <laughs> the question you're thinking, I was, I was thinking about, how have we changed? <laughs> Obviously, I've not changed a bit. <laughs> Alice looks younger today than you did then. <laughs> and James... James, so anyway, so... <laughs> Always nice to see James in a tie. I just want to say, if James ever marries you in this church, he'll probably wear the same suit. <laughs> anyway, a bit more seriously. Do you know what I was thinking about this photo? Because recently, I was having this chat with a friend of mine. Now, she's a lady in her late 60s. Uh, she's actually a person who comes to this building on a regular basis. And I made her a cup of tea every Tuesday morning, and we have a good chat. And I was telling her about this sermon, and... 
was saying about you know, grace and how grace can change people. And she was saying how she's got a fascinating life story. She has lived in lots, of, she's lived in three different continents. She's lived through two wars. She sadly lost loved ones in wars. Um, and, but she recently um, met with family who she hadn't seen, I think it was like 10, 15 years. And she said to me, well, it's funny, I saw this family member. They haven't changed, not, not changed. Their life is exactly the same. They've not changed at all. And I said to her, well, do you think you've changed? And she said, oh, yes, I've changed. I've changed so much over the years. I've had to change. My life circumstances have, have made me change. And then she said to me, what about you? Have you changed? And it really stumped me. I was like, my initial response was, yes, yes, that's the right answer. I'm a Christian. I've changed. Yes, God has changed me. But I was kind of thinking about that in the weeks after that conversation. And, you know, when you look at a photo like that, you look back and say, well, how have I changed? The initial response is, well, how have I changed physically, isn't it? That's what you, probably your first thought. But actually, what about the stuff you can't see? What about the stuff in your soul? What about your heart and your mind? If, have you changed over the last few years, over the last 5, 10, 15 years? Have you changed? Have you changed? And as I thought about it, for me, I thought, well, yeah, God has really changed me. And initially, I kind of thought, well, what has changed in the last 15 years or so? in my walk with God, I would have a much clearer sense of calling in my life. I'd be a lot more secure in my identity, the identity God's given me. I'd be much more aware of a sense of purpose and a cause to live for, you know, a phrase that we use in the, in the vineyard. He's given me a real cause, a real kind of core belief. But I'm also much more aware, I think, than I was 15 years ago of the sin in my life. I'm aware just much more how, how broken I am. I definitely pray a lot more than I used to. I'm aware of my own limitations and, and ultimately my need for God. So I think I feel more broken in a great way than I did 15 years ago, but I also feel a lot more freedom. I think God's changed me in that way. And all of this is just a way of introducing the final thing we're going to talk about in this, in this grace-filled community series is this brilliant vineyard phrase, this little vineyard axiom that you may have heard before. And that is this. This is what we say. You come as you are, but you don't stay as you are. You come as you are, but you don't stay as you are. And this is one of my favorite vineyard sayings. It's one I hold really dear. And that's uh, a hallmark of vineyard churches and other churches, but definitely of vineyard churches of this church here in Cardiff, but in vineyard churches around the world. And I, I joined a vineyard church back in 2001, so a long time ago now. And I look back on that and I think, well, back then, I came as I was, but I've been changing ever since, ever since. I came as I was, but I haven't stayed as I was. Is that true for you? Is that your story? Would you say that you're changing at the moment? And if not, maybe will that become your story? Will you be changed? Because what I want to look at this morning is that grace-filled communities are a perfect environment for change to take place in. They're a place not only where people are incredibly welcome, no matter who you are, like Mark talked about last week, absolutely everyone is welcome. But it's more than that. It's not just about welcome. It's about transformation. Graceville communities are perfect places, the perfect environment for people to be transformed. Because change happens most, not when we're told to change, not when we're kind of dictated to, but change happens when people feel loved and when they feel compelled by grace to change. 
So let's have a look at this. Let's just break it down this morning. Look at it. Firstly, come as you are, this first bit of the phrase, come as you are. What does that really mean? Well, if people are going to come as they are into this church, into this community, the key distinctive for that will be it will be an environment that is totally absent of judgment or condemnation. Absent of judgment or condemnation. So let's look at the Bible. Let's look at the Gospel for this. If you've got a Bible with you, grab, grab them now. We're going to look at John chapter 8, the Gospel of John. And this is quite a well-known story, the story of the woman who's caught in adultery. And the context is Jesus has been continuing his ministry and he's been continuing his teaching. He's in the temple and a crowd has gathered around him. So we'll pick it up in verse 3. So I should say, if you haven't got a Bible with you, it'll appear on the screen behind me. So as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. It's a powerful, dramatic story. Basically, the story at the heart of this story is actually life and death. Because this, this is a crowd of teachers and Pharisees who are they're basically looking for blood. Because they're either happy to scapegate the woman, because they know that she could basically be facing the death penalty, but at the same time, they're also really looking to get Jesus. They're trying to catch Jesus out. They're looking for his blood, ultimately. And if they can get both at the same time, they don't mind. And notice the scorn and the anger that the Pharisees and the teachers have as they bring this lady in front of Jesus. She's been totally objectified. We don't know her name. We don't know her identity. We know nothing of her story. We don't know whether the act of adultery has literally just happened or it's been, she's kind of, it happened previously and she's now being scapegoated for it. We also don't see any, there's no partner involved in this. If she's committed adultery perhaps with a man, where's the man? He's he just been let off as he escaped. She's totally isolated and, and shamed by what's, what's happened. She must have been terrified. She must know that her life is at risk as she's dragged in front of this crowd. She's basically, it's almost like an animal in a hunt. There's no humanity on show here. Absolutely no kind of sense of humanity towards her. There's no con uh, concern for her at all. And yet Jesus sees her for what she is, not what the crowd sees in her. And so many people in our city right now will feel like this. They'll feel like this woman, whatever their life circumstances. They will feel at the end of themselves. 
they will feel that they are nothing. And yet what we see in this story is that Jesus sees her as, as, her, as his everything. We can learn a lot from this story, just from what Jesus says. What does it take for us to be a community that will say to people, come as you are? Well, it's all there in this story. Jesus actually doesn't say a lot in this story at all. If you look at you know, you know how some Bibles, the words of Jesus are in red letters? This is one of those stories where there's hardly any red font. And yet what he says, says it all. So let's just quickly look through. There's three things that he says that we can learn from here. We start at verse 7. The first thing he says, Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. So these are the words of Jesus. We need to take these to heart. As a community and as a church, we can choose to scrutinize people, to criticize them, to condemn them, we can judge them. But if we choose to do that, then we are overlooking our own sin, our own shortcomings, our own brokenness. And as Alice talked about a few weeks back in this, in this series, we forgive others because we know that ourselves have been forgiven. And we do not cast our own stones because we realize that by God's grace, the stones that we deserve have not been cast at us. So that's our starting point. That's our starting point. Secondly, look at verse 10. Jesus says, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? Take a moment to step into the shoes of someone who would hear those words in our community. They might hear them on a Sunday. They might hear them in a small group. Whatever the setting is. How many people will step into our community and expect judgment? because they're coming into a church. But these are the words that if we speak them to a, a single mum at Grow Baby, or to a teenager who comes into our youth group, or an asylum seeker who comes to one of our restore ministries, it could be a successful career type who comes to an alpha course, where are your accusers? Just think of the power in those words. So these are the words that we speak to people, whether they've got 5p in their wallet or 500 pounds in their wallet, whether they've been to church once or whether they've been 100 times before, whether they come in feeling on top of the world or on their knees. We are not meant to be accusers. We are not meant to accuse. So we say to whoever joins us, come as you are. Come as you are. And then thirdly, look at verse 11. Jesus' final words to this lady, then neither do I condemn you. Then neither do I condemn you. What Jesus shows this lady is grace and mercy. It's often been said, you might have heard this many times before, that mercy is not getting what we deserve, and grace is getting what we don't deserve. And that's what we see here. What the world, what the Pharisees, what the religious teachers say that this woman deserves is punishment. It's condemnation. She deserves nothing. And yet Jesus, in his mercy, shows a totally different way. This woman is at the nadir of her life, and she gets something totally unexpected. She, the world is telling her she deserves punishment. Jesus says, no, you get a second chance. Now, it's important to acknowledge that the Bible is really clear 
that we all will be judged. I'm not, we're not saying that. We're not, not saying that this morning. What we're saying, though, is that God alone judges. It's not our job. It's not our job to judge. It is our business, though, to let people know that the words that he speaks over us. These are words of grace and mercy. So as a graceful community, we come as we are. Everyone comes. Come along, everyone and everyone. Come without judgment, without condemnation. You come as you are. But, and there is an important but here, the second part of this is you don't stay as you are. And we see this in the very, very last thing that Jesus says to this lady. Verse 11 again. Now go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Because what we see here is that people can come to Jesus without caveat, but they won't come to him without challenge. Jesus demands our all. His words to this lady are not, they're there, never mind. They're not, okay, try again next time, try harder in the future. No, well, his words to her are basically, don't totally transform your life. It's one of the inconvenient truths of the gospel, I think. It basically, it can raise hackles with people. What we're saying is, we need to change. That can be offensive, can't it? Someone might say to you, but I don't need to change. I don't want to change. But actually, what Jesus says to this woman is, you need to totally change. Totally, totally change. And that would be the words he says to us. Because God loves us too much to leave us as we are. God sees us as the masterpiece, not the mud, as Jen talked about a few weeks ago. He loves us too much. He can't leave us as we are. Jesus sees this lady as he sees us. We are precious. We are a life worth redeeming. We're not just an object of no worth that the world would condemn. We are precious. Jesus refuses to write this woman off. This world would just cast her aside and cast us aside. But Jesus says no. He says something totally different. He says, no, because of my love, go and be totally different. Because of my love, let your life go and take a different direction. Because of my love, go and be everything you were created to be. That's what he says to this lady, and that's what he says to us. He's not speaking from a place of judgment or condemnation. He's speaking just from an overflow of grace and love. Have you ever experienced a moment like that? Have you ever had that sense in your life where you just know, sometimes it can be a sudden realization, sometimes it can kind of almost creep up on you. But we have these moments where we are overwhelmed by the grace of God and we know that we have to change. It can be through reading scripture, it can be the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it can feel like a lightning bolt, can't it? I've had a few moments in my life where that's happened. When I was in my early 20s, I remember that I was going through a time where, sadly, I was basically, was a bit embarrassing, really, but I was, there was an addictive behavior in my life that was just really destructive. It was toxic. And I just knew that I couldn't continue, and I had to get these moments of prayer where God would just break in, break in like a thunderbolt in my life, and it changed. 
uh, well, much more recently, I was at the Kingdom Pursuit Conference that many of you were at back in, in May. Really powerful time of worship. The Holy Spirit just fell on me. And there was a lot of fear in my life at the time. And then the Holy Spirit just broke in. And the grace of God says, no, you'll change. I love you too much to stay as you are right now. This will change. Sometimes it's through, through other people, which takes really real bravery, doesn't it? I showed that picture of, of James marrying Alice and I at the start. But actually, like James, James has been in my life for the best part of 20 years now. And James and his friend Aid, who I, I work with up at a different church up in Nottingham, our, our mother church, Trent Vineyard, I remember really clearly, again, probably in my early 20s, I think it was, they sat down with me and had told me a few things that I needed to hear. James can tell you what they were. I won't indulge you. <laughs> but it was good. I didn't want to hear them. And in fact, I think at the time, I said, no, you're wrong. <laughs> they challenged me about a few of my attitudes, a few of my, kind of the way I was behaving about a few things. But they did it with grace. They were filled with grace as they did it because they wanted the best for me. They saw me as Jesus sees me, as precious. And they wanted to see that transformation in my life. And I, I'll be honest, for like two or three days, I was like, no, I don't want to hear that. But actually, it seeped through into my soul. And God did a beautiful thing. And I think I'm different the other side of that now. I can take courage to do that. As a Gracefield community, sometimes we don't have to hear those words. Gracefield words which say, have you thought about this? Do you need to change? And sometimes we're going to be the people giving those words with grace. That's all, being, that's all part of being a grace-filled community. Because, we're not yet too technical now, but we would think of ourselves as a centered set church. Some of you have heard this before, some of you this is totally new. Basically what we mean by this is that the profound nature of grace totally underpins our whole approach to church. Put simply, we are a church with Jesus at the center. So, you get some organizations. Take a, take a golf club, for example. I've never been a member of a golf club. Maybe one day I will, but it seems unlikely. But <laughs> I'll just check that with Alice. Yeah, it's very unlikely. Um, <laughs> never say never. Um, a golf club, though. I don't know much about them, but I imagine you pay an admission fee. There are certain rules and regulations that you have to adhere to. You might even have a designated parking space and all that kind of stuff. A golf club is, this is in, this is out. We're not like that. We're not like that at all. There's no entrance exam to this church. Thank goodness, I would definitely fail it. Um, in this church, you can belong before you believe. In fact, you can belong, and you might not ever believe. We hope you will. We hope that you'll put your faith in Jesus. But you can belong here way before that happens. There's no need to conform in this church. There's no certain way of doing things. You don't have to look a certain way, behave in a certain way. There's no, yes, you're in, you're out. But the reality is that at some point, if you do belong here, and you do start to feel that sense of belonging, then you will start to change. You come as you are, but you won't stay as you are. Why? Not because we're telling you to. Not because you have to, but it's because of grace. Because we find Jesus at the center of our church, and the grace and love that he shows us changes us. And it continues to change us. It's a lifelong journey. 
I'm still changing now. I, still, I will still be changing in 20 years' time. Because grace just continues to change us. Loads and loads of people, we see it in the gospel, loads of people encounter Jesus and weren't changed. It's absolutely possible that that happened. You see that today. But actually, people who say yes to Jesus and then continue to say yes to Jesus, over the long haul, can't help but be changed. And why? Because grace is much more than just a moment. It's not short-lived. It isn't just a little kind of shot of adrenaline into our soul that keeps us going. Grace is that sense of, again, we are precious. We get what we don't deserve. Our soul craves this. We can't, we can't sort this out on our own. Our soul can't sort this out on its own. We get that forgiveness and that freedom by the grace of God that we can't get on our own. And that means something. If you've walked in here today, maybe you're here for the first time today, maybe you've walked in you think, I have messed up big time. My life is a mess. Maybe you feel like that, that lady caught in adultery. You might be here for the first time. You might have been here loads of times, but you still feel like that. What are the words that Jesus would say over you this morning? He would say, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. I felt like that in my life so many times. And yet they're the words that he speaks over us. Do you know the lovely thing about that is that we're all in it together? Which suddenly sounded a bit like high school musical. Um, but we are, we're, like, we're, we're united by this. We're unified by this need for grace. Jesus demands our all. Like I said, he doesn't say to the lady, go and try harder. He says, go and be totally different. Go and be totally different. That's what he says to all of us. But we're all fellow travelers as recipients of grace. We are all fellow travelers as recipients of grace. You might come up to me now and say, look, I don't know if I can do this church thing. I don't know if I can do this Christianity thing. I'm not the finished article. But if that's you, me neither. Me neither. That's why we kind of go, we'll go let's go on this journey together. That's who we are as a church. That's who we are as a grace-filled community. We're not the finished article, but we all go on the journey together. Jesus is at the center. It doesn't matter where you are, whether you feel like you're way on the outside or whether you feel right in the middle. It's your direction of travel that matters. Are you leaning in towards him or are you leaning away from him? Jesus is at the center. One final thought on this just to apply this grace-filled community idea to our city. You perhaps will know, many of you will know, that as a church, our vision, that we feel God's put on us in our DNA, is to restore this city and beyond. Restore the city and renew the nation. How does a grace-filled community impact its city? Well, the reality is that if we are a grace-filled community, then when anything is filled becomes full, it overflows, doesn't it? It spills over. And anything that overflows, touches, and it impacts whatever's around it. If we are filled to the measure with grace, then it's inevitable that we'll see God and God's grace touch the lives of people around us. If we become transformed people, people who are transformed by grace, then we will become people who bring transformation. Transformed people bring transformation. So if we are changed by grace, 
then we'll see the grace of God break out in the lives of others. That's why it's so important that we're a grace-filled community. It's not just for us. It's not just that we sort ourselves out. But the outworking of that, the outpouring of that, will, we just don't know the impact that will have in our city, in our workplaces, in our classes, etc. Grace is a powerful thing. I'm going to pray in a minute. Let me just share one more thing with you that I saw that really inspired me when I was um, writing this talk. I saw, as I do, I was watching a documentary on cricket. <laughs> Might have been the only one. Earlier in the year, there was, some of you will know this, there was a, a series between South Africa and Australia. And it was a, a scandalous series. I don't know if many of you heard about this, but basically, the, the cut a long story short, the Australians were caught doing a very naughty thing and they were cheating, and it just unleashed this huge scandal. And the captain had to resign, the vice-captain, the coach, and all sorts. And then what followed was just this huge backlash. Kind of the politicians weighed in, and everyone was just like, these guys were disgraced, they brought shame upon the great nation of Australia. And then some of the cricketers had to front up and do these, these press conferences. And the press conferences were just they were all just basically snivelling messes. They were just kind of crying down the microphone. They were so embarrassed and, and felt so got at. But there was this really powerful press conference with Steve Smith, who was, was the former captain. And, you know, the eyes of the world were on him. And basically, it's on YouTube if you want to watch it, but he basically says, look, I'm so, so sorry. And in a way, he's like this lady caught in adultery. He's been caught out. And the eyes of the world were just pointing fingers at him. And then there's this powerful moment you realize that in the, in the kind of, just behind him, just out of shot, there's someone standing behind him. And Steve Smith, the captain, he breaks down. Just can't keep going. He's so sorry. He's so contrite. And this hand reaches forward and puts, puts his hand on his shoulder just to steady him. And it's his dad. And his dad's been standing there the whole time. And he says, no, it's okay. And he's able to finish. And it's the father's love, the unconditional love. I'm sure his father wasn't proud of him at that time, but he wasn't going to go anywhere. He was going to stand by him. You know, and I was just thinking that amazing phrase that Stephen, um, Stephen Chris used earlier. I, wasn't, I didn't know they were going to say it, but they became to their boy, their forever family. Forever dad, forever mum. You know, when we're looking at grace, ultimately that's what God's saying to us. He's not going anywhere. He doesn't write us off. Just like Jesus doesn't write off that lady. God doesn't write us off. He stays with us. It might be that you're here this morning thinking, I really need to change. You know it. God's got grace for that. It might be that you're here this morning thinking, I really want to see change in the lives of others. God knows that. He's not going anywhere. So I'd love to, shall we stand and let's pray?